podcast where we just examine the nooks and crannies and dark corners of wellness, well-being, and spirituality space and shine our little flashlights in there to see what the fuck is up. I'm Michelle Pelazon, your host and the head witch in charge here at Holisticism. Holisticism is the parent company of the 12th house, the cusp, and the north node, and I am delighted that you're here with us today. Welcome! And oh my god, today's guest is so good. And I can't wait to introduce you to him. But before I do, I have a couple of updates that I need you to know about. If you normally fast forward through the updates, I think you're going to want to hear these. So maybe just like pump the brakes on the fast forward button. First thing that's up is our summer solstice festival. Oh, also in the background, I am sitting in my backyard in my garden. So you might hear birds. You might hear a rogue helicopter every now and then because I do live in LA. But Maybe you'll get some messages if you really turn up the volume and you can hear all the little spirits and entities that are speaking to us. Anyways, it's our summer solstice festival this week. I'm so excited about this. We are hosting four days of free virtual events from basically 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. every single day Pacific Standard Time. And it's going to be so fun. We have astrology readings. We have human design readings. We have numerology readings. We have witchcraft. We have panels, conversations. We have fireside chats with your favorite wellness entrepreneurs. We have intuitive business classes. It is everything you could want and more, honestly. It's going to be really, really fun. And every class is free. Every class slash event is free. And I hope that you love it. I hope that you sign up and that you enjoy it and you invite your friends. The reason that we wanted to put this together is because man, oh man, has it been a hell of a 18 months. And we wanted to celebrate coming to what feels like the end of this period of time, COVID time, and also celebrate summer solstice, which represents this big, big portal energy, BPE. And this shift and summer. So I hope you can come and join us. Every class is free and you can sign up at the link below. And by the way, if the timing doesn't work for you, that's totally fine. We'll send you a replay of every class that you're signed up for. If you don't sign up for class, I can't send you a replay. It just becomes like completely untenable because I get hundreds of emails from people asking for the replay from blah, 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 and it's too much. So I am one person. But sign up for class, any class that you want, and I'll send you the replays as long as you're signed up for class. So be sure to join us. That's going to be a really good time. And take class with me if you're a little curious about what intuitive business is. I'm teaching on archetypes and archetypal journeys. I'm teaching on creative brains and how to organize them and get yourself creative intuitive brains and some other cool classes, including on future visioning and timeline collapsing. So if you want to double click on those ideas, I'm there for you. And our next piece of exciting news and information is the North Node doors are opening on June 20th. Yay! On summer solstice day. So the doors to the North Node are open from June 20th to June 27th. And you may have heard this on the podcast, but it bears repeating because I know I'm going to get a lot of questions about it. And I don't want this to blindside anyone, but this is the last time we're going to open the doors to the North Node in this way. So we typically do- open the doors to the North Node every six months and we have hundreds of people join us. And this is the last time we're going to do that because we are at capacity. We realized as a team that to give the care and attention and magic and you know the experience we want them to have, we can't have tens of thousands of people join us. We have to limit the number of people in this community or in this class or in this little, you know, intuitive business school. This feels like magical master's program. And so we are almost at capacity. And I think that this last time we opened the doors is going to push us over capacity. So we are limited on the number of spots that we have available. We only have 200 spots available. And yeah, it's probably going to sell out. So if you are not on the wait list, make sure that you get on the wait list or on the on the VIP wait list is what we're calling it. I'll put the link below so that you can sign up and make sure you're on there. Right now we have about triple the number of people on the wait list that we do actually have spots available for the North Node. If you're on the wait list, you're going to hear about when the doors are open first and you'll get first dibs on spots. That also means that you'll get first dibs on scholarship opportunities because we have a limited number of scholarship spots. That's our sliding scale spots. So if you identify as someone who wants a scholarship to the North Node, then make sure you're on the VIP list because those are going to go really fast. We have a limited number of them. And if you just want to join the North Node in general this time around, I would also recommend being on the VIP waitlist. We're going to send you guys an email first, and then we'll let the rest of the community know. We have about 75,000 people on our email list. So I think there's a pretty good chance that this will close all the spots down just as a heads up. 
And I want you to be able to join if you want to. And this isn't like, a, oh my God, it's gone forever. So if you're not sure if you want to join this time around, it's totally fine. We're just changing up the things, way that things work around here. We'll have basically rolling admission moving forward for everyone who's on the wait list. So either way, I think joining the wait list is a good, is a good call. And as people graduate from the North Node, we'll open up a couple of spots probably every month, depending on how many spots open up and are available. So if you want first access to them, if you want to know when spots are open so that you can join us, then make sure you're on the VIP wait list. Okay. And yes, doors are open to North Node from June 20th to June 27th. If we happen to sell out and sell all of our spots before June 27th, then we'll obviously close the doors down before then. But hopefully you won't have to make a rash decision and you have a little bit of time to sit with whether it's right for you or not. Okay, so I think that's all I have. And... I'm so delighted to introduce today's guest on the podcast, George Ramsey. George is one of our visionaries in residence. We have seven incredible visionaries in residence this year. And ugh, I love George. I love all of our VIRs so much. They're all incredible people. George is a breathwork teacher and just a stellar human being. And I think you're going to love hearing his perspective on breathwork and healing and his experience and really what he's been working on for the last six months inside of VIR and, and working with. George, as I said, is a breathwork teacher. He works at the incredible startup Open, which is amazing. If you're part of the cusp, you've gotten to take some free classes. And honestly, like George is kind of a big deal. All of our VRRs are kind of a big deal. I feel like all of them are going to be famous in like any year, in two years, you're going to be hearing about them. So I'm delighted for you to hear a little bit more about George and what he's up to and how he teaches and how he thinks about breathwork and what his experience of healing has been. And if you want to join George, he's teaching a class with holisticism in the next few weeks. The class is called Build Your Body Map, How to Use Breathwork to Move Emotion. It's going to be amazing. George actually we got introduced because George taught a free class during our COVID lockdown <laughs> free event three months. And George taught a class on breathwork for your inner child. And it was, everyone was crying. There were like 300 people and we were all crying and he's just amazing. So I think you're going to love this class. Even if you're someone who's a little bit afraid of breathwork or you don't get the deal behind breathwork, I think you're going to really love it. Again, class options are always on a sliding scale so you can choose your price and you'll also get a replay when you join. So enjoy this conversation with George and make sure you're signed up for class. Hi, George. Hello. Hi, George. Hi. I'm so excited. I love you so much. (laughs) She does. Every time Thais and I have a meeting about VARs, (laughs) <laughs> which you, you are one of them. Thais is like, I just love George. Oh. I just love him. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. The best support. That's very sweet. George, we met a year ago, probably like around now in quarantine. A mutual friend connected us because at Holisticism, we we're teaching. <laughs> we, we did this crazy thing where I thought it would be a good idea to teach a free class every day of the quarantine because I thought quarantine was going to last two weeks. And then like three months later, I was like, I'm tired. This is a lot of energy. (laughs) We got to meet so many cool wellness practitioners who came in and taught classes every single day. And you were one of them. And you taught breath work for inner child. And I remember being like, breath work for inner child. Oh, no. And then your class was one of the most impactful. Like I still get messages from people today who are like, that class with George was amazing. (laughs) It was so good. It was so good. And I'm amazing. Yeah. It's in the liminal library, so you can still check it out. But I think that like breath work is really hard. (laughs) You know, like it's really confronting. And so is inner child work. So that combo was like, scary but it was also that's also what makes it so impactful and I didn't know this at the time but you had just really begun your your foray into breath work right and to teaching breath work at that time oh yeah behind the scenes of me doing that group was me terrified and incredibly nervous (laughs) (laughs) and that was the largest group I'd ever done at the time so it was a really special day for me yeah I can't remember how many people we had I feel like it was like close to maybe 
I don't know, 200, 300. It was big. Yeah. It was a big group. And then even more people signed up and watched the replay. Probably tens of thousands of people have, have watched the replay at this point, which is crazy. And you were so cool, calm and collected. I thought you'd been like old hat. I was like, this guy must have, he must have come out of the womb doing breath work. Like he's so chill. So how did you, first off, how did you get into breath work yourself? And uh, can I ask a question real quick? Yeah, of course. What is breath work? <laughs> oh, yeah. So important. What is breath work? <laughs> How would you define it, George? <laughs> I define it as an active meditation practice that you do lying down that allows you to move anything that's stuck in the body. And that could be emotion, that could be limiting beliefs, that could be energy. And they all can be moved by the breath. And it's a practice that is, in many ways, very confronting. But you do a three part breath, is the style I teach lying down and when you breathe in this repetitive pattern, you can drop into an altered state and just approach consciousness work, energy work from a different perspective and usually leave feeling pretty open, blissful and clear after the session. I'm really curious because I'm not a breathwork practitioner, but I've done breathwork. I kind of think I know the answer, but I'd love to hear from you, George. Is there like under the umbrella of breathwork, are there lots of like specific types of breath. How do people kind of, because breathwork is kind of a catch-all term, I feel like similar to meditation, where there's different ways to practice meditation and there are people who use specific lineages. And I'm just curious, like, I also like, honestly, pranayama is a type of breathwork, right? And so I'm curious where like cultural appropriation or just like, you know, how do you make sense of all that? I, I don't think I'm really like having a ton of clarity, but I think it's because it's kind of an opaque conversation. So what do you make of it? Yeah, absolutely. It's such a good question. It's such a vague term. And breathwork yeah. is such an umbrella term for so many different practices, which yeah, exactly. most of them have roots in pranayama. Ancient India, this practice was written, usually the breath pattern I teach has roots in the Sanskrit Vedas um, and starts way back, way back. And the practice I teach now is a three-part breath, but that's one of many different styles of breath work. And if we define breath work as controlling your breath in a specific way, there's so many different lineages that fall under that as well. Yeah. Okay. That, that totally makes sense. What is Wim Hof? <laughs> Wim Hof. He has, he has popularized <laughs> breath work in so many ways. So he teaches a style of breath work where you do a series of big full inhales and exhales and a series of breath holds and his work is mainly more for performance focus kind of ramping up your energy to drop you in it really attracts kind of like a broy crowd is what <laughs> you do it like Wim Hof breath I feel like you do right before you like drop into an ice bath exactly. and then you like beat your chest your naked chest and like <laughs> then you eat some raw red meat you know <laughs> exactly you've got it down for sure <laughs> but he's brought a lot of awareness to the field and then I think folks are realizing oh there's so much to learn within this umbrella of breath work yeah is his breath work style you might have mentioned it does it come from another does he kind of like did he quote unquote come up with it or do you know like kind of where I don't know it originated from or where he's pulling from I actually don't I have stayed away from his honestly <laughs> breath work because of the kind of culture surrounding it it's so opposite how I got into this practice <laughs> and I just recently am coming around to the whole ice bath movement and using breath in this more performative element which is fun and for me it's like a fun little add-on, but I don't really know. I think he I think he made up the practice himself. And all of this, none of us made it up. People have been teaching breath in every ancient tradition, mm. as long as we've known, has used breath as a core principle. I find it fascinating when folks are trademarking their breath pattern. <laughs> oh. This is the most universal tool we all have. And for me, it's the beauty of it is that it's free. <laughs> yeah said we all breathe it, it, I have not met anything more universal than breath in my life <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you can't help but breathe like right. it's not <laughs> wait are people really trying to trademark breathing oh yeah when you do a google search on breath work there's so many different types now and folks are teaching specific variations where you manipulate sound or touch or breath holds. It's kind of categorizing it as their type. 
And I, the reason I'm attracted to this practice is because it's very much a practice you can do on your own without paying someone even. And once you know mm-hmm. it, you get to transform your life has been my experience. And so there's no, for me, guru culture around it. There's no like secrecy around it. It's unlocking the breath in your body, which I think is the most personal way to find your own freedom. And that's why, that's mm-hmm. why I love it. You said it transforms life. How has breathwork transformed your life? I think my breathwork journey really started. I grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina, closeted a little gay boy in the South. And I started swimming when I was six and they put me in the pool because any ball sport they would have me play, I like notoriously would somehow always get the ball in my face. And I remember, <laughs> I remember playing soccer. It was like, ball in the face, ball in the face, ball in the face. <laughs> They're like, oh, not ball sports. Let's try swimming. And so I swam competitively from like age six all the way up through college. Breath was always oh. such a part of that. And I never realized it, but being a closeted gay boy in the South, swim practice every day was like my time where I had two hours of silence, two hours mm-hmm. with my breath. And I now realize was my clearing practice. And I've always been a feeler. I like the notorious temper tantrums as a little kid. I never had a problem feeling my feelings and realizing now the pool was my place to clear emotion. And I'd always come home. My mom would be like, you feel so clear after swim practice. And I was like, what was I like before? <laughs> She's like, you're better. You're better now. It's good for you. <laughs> and I wow. later realized, like, I was doing breath work then. And it was controlling and manipulating my breath as a way of clearing stuck emotion and energy in my body. And then later learned this practice about two years ago now and had very similar sensation to after, like, a good swim practice. And I was like, oh this feeling of total clarity and embodiment. I was not in the wellness world at all. And the terms and terminology always kind of went over my head and I did breath work and I was like, oh, I get it. This is what it means to be in your body. This is what it means Mm -hmm. to clear stuck energy. And I could physically experience those things when I practiced breath work. And then my life just started changing because I was clearing out old beliefs. I was opening up to what I actually wanted to contribute to the world. I was able to move through the fear that came when I thought about doing that. Life just started getting really fun. Whoa. Wow. That's um, how astute of you to see the connection between your breathwork practice as a kid and a teenager and now the way that you teach breathwork. That's so cool. Also, aren't you like over six feet tall? Aren't you a giant person? (laughs) I'm a very large person, six, six. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. You're a foot and a half taller than me and Thais. Wow. I never would have (laughs) known. Zoom friends. I know. I think we're going to be surprised when the world opens back up and they meet Michelle and I and like Wallace and Janelle. We're We're all like under five, too. Really? I had no idea. You really don't know about people because y'all have such big presences. You're just like, I don't know. It could be six feet. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. What was your first, like, tell me the story of your first breathwork class. I was in a yoga class and at the end of the class, they had us do this three-part breath pattern that I now teach. And now a friend of mine, Aaron Ward, and I very quickly dropped into what felt like an altered state and was like, what just happened? And she was like, that was breath work. And then I Googled it and found a workshop here in Venice near my house and bought tickets for my partner and I, and it became date night to go do breath work. Neither of us had any idea what we were going to do. <laughs> and we go into this man's garage in Venice and he sits no. in a chair and he's like, what have I done? And then there's like surround sound music playing. We put on an eye mask. He starts playing the music, teaches us the pattern and like two minutes and I'm sobbing. <laughs> best date ever. Yeah. That's the best the way you want your date to go. <laughs> I'm like, this is not that far into dating. And I'm looking at him like, what, what's, what's this experience? Like, what's going on? Is he hearing me? <laughs> My deep <laughs> sobs. And then just got it like incredible clarity in that first session on things I'd truly been working on in therapy for like five, six years. And was like, what have I been doing? That this efficiency of being able to tune in and get such clarity, I love. And I efficiency has always kind of been a thing of mine. I'm a Virgo. And so I love a good clear system and breathwork for me allowed me to gain perspective that I truly had been like fumbling around. It felt like just recycling the same issues in therapy for so many years. And I just got into business school, got a clear, no, don't go to business school. Good things are coming during breathwork. And then started following the intuitive hits I would get when I was breathing and life just started transforming in a fun way. So you started getting intuitive hits while you were breathing. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And so just, you know what I'm saying? We all be breathing and like a lot of us will be getting intuitive hits. So you're saying that like controlling the breath and being intentional and doing the breath work is when the intuitive hits started happening. Absolutely. And then my follow-up question is you were talking about therapy for five years, but then breath work, it just opened and it was like quicker. That's, that was your experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so did, is it because you were in therapy that the breath work was just like, it made it easier what was coming? Or do you think breath work really just was the thing that opened you up? I think the combination is incredibly powerful. I'll tell folks therapy helped me gain the framework to understand what was actually happening in my life. And once I had good conscious awareness of my patterns and how I was recreating those and what was happening, then breathwork felt like moved below those and worked at the energetic layer that was actually operating below all this I was creating in my life. Mm -hmm. And when you get into that layer, I just found the transformation is both more intense and it can be faster. So would you say therapy was more like the mind experience and breathwork was the body experience? And then exactly. connected those through it helped with spirit? Exactly. Yeah. And I had never had a true, I mean, honestly, I was not in the wellness or spiritual world before this and would be in therapy sessions just like totally intellectually processing through everything, having fun with the terminology and just now I realize fully trapped in my mind, completely avoiding sensation in my body or any feeling. And there was like one time when I cried in therapy, like a year in, and I was like, wow, I'm really making progress. <laughs> and then I did breath work and I'm like sobbing on minute two. I'm like, huh, <laughs> this is what I've been avoiding is feeling my feelings around these things. Yeah. It's so fun to be smart in therapy, right? but it's yeah. like such a waste of money. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> you know who said that Brene Brown, she was just like, I'm a therapist or she was like, I know, tell me all of my shameful things because I know all of the things and it's easy to intellectualize because like we can compartmentalize in that way. Mm -hmm. Even like I noticed my language sometimes when I'm talking to my therapist, like I get more like buttoned up and like I sound more intellectual. I like I wrap it up in a bow as like a way of like guarding it, the information. It's so interesting. You also find that you, you try to say the right things in therapy. I used to a lot more. Now I say things, well, I usually caveat things by saying, evil Michelle would do this. <laughs> My therapist is like, uh, <laughs> that's really what we've been working on for the past two years is there's no such thing as evil Michelle. But yeah. I do. What about you? Yeah, well, I used to. I found myself like it's this thing of childhood of always like doing the right thing to get the check or like always mm -hmm. getting the approval. So even in therapy, like I found myself saying the thing. It was just like, I know that this is what he wants me to say. So I'm going to say the thing. And it was just like after a while, I was just like, I got to stop this so I can like, maybe I should do breath work so I could feel the feelings. <laughs> Could yeah. be good. Yeah, I did the same thing. The impress the therapist game. Look how self-aware I am and look how much I've thought through this already. Yeah, yeah I can process. I know mm -hmm. I can undo the things, but then I wasn't. I was just saying it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes when I that happens, because I, I feel like I know it, right? Like I'm like intellectually, I understand what you're telling me, but like, I don't get it. Like I get it but I don't get it I try to just say that of like I'm smart I know I'm smart I know I'm picking up what you're throwing down but like I don't believe you mm. so and that usually helps me get over the hump mm -hmm. but it's still hard it's very hard very very hard yeah but we stand therapy here obviously of course. 100% that breath work is hard for someone who like I've never actually done breathwork. My only breathwork experience was with you, George, that one time when I was just like, Aww. and then you, we did something like for a minute. And I recalled afterwards, just like really liking how I felt. But it seems to me, it seems like it's kind of hard only because breathing is so easy that I'm like, there has to be some sort of like thing to this. Like how meditating you have to like calm your thoughts and like all of these things. What would you say about like, like breath? Is it, is it hard? Yes. <laughs> I would say. Full stop. Yeah, period. <laughs> <laughs> 
breath work. The name like implies what you're getting into. There is work involved. And it's hard usually for the first five to 10 minutes. So in a normal session, I teach we're breathing actively for about 30 minutes. And the first five to 10 minutes, resistance really rises. And it's like a workout. You're in there. You don't want to be doing it. Your mind throws all these thoughts out, like breathe a little less or don't follow that sensation or pull back a bit which is just the ego trying to keep us in what it knows, the safe mode. And when we know there is usually stuck emotion in our bodies, the mind wants to run as far away as possible. And so there's, it's almost funny and comical to me. I do this practice almost every day and almost every day there's still resistance and some little Mm -hmm. excuse of like, oh, you forgot an email or go check your phone or like breathe a little less today. You're good. You did it yesterday. And you just have to kind of release the thought and come back to the breath pattern And then that's when you get to really drop into the transformative effect. Breath work is so hard and it's so confronting. We just had a class on open actually with Allie. I think George, we're going to take a class with you too, Inside the Cusp, which is our little, it's our hype beast wellness community. And we had a hundred cuspies in the room taking class. And afterwards we had a debrief on Zoom with everyone to see how they liked, you know, open and what they thought and across the board, everyone was like, I did not want to go. I did not when I was there. And then I we started breathing and I was like, I'm out. I don't want to be here anymore. And it's not because it was, the class was amazing. Allie's amazing. Open was amazing. Breathwork is an amazing practice. It's just because it's so, it's so much. It's so uncomfortable too, to be in our bodies. Like I think all the three of us talking, right? It's not safe to be in our bodies all the time given society where society's at. And so if you are given the opportunity to be in the body and not be distracted, even by movement, to just be breathing, because I think movement can sometimes be a distraction when people are like, running is my meditation. I'm like, no, dude, no, it's not. Meditation is your meditation. Running is something else and that's totally fine, but they're different things. Yeah. I think it's, it's really scary and confronting and foreign to many of us. So everyone across the board was like, breathwork is so hard. But then at the end of it, they were euphoric. And, you know, our class was only 15 minutes on open. And the way everyone's eyes were like bright and shiny, like they were so excited and happy. And many said that they cried, but they just felt like so clear. And I think that's, it's such an incredible tool because you can get to that point in five minutes and 10 minutes, however long you have. And it doesn't need to be I don't know, this like catastrophic event where you're like totally upending your entire world and digging into your deepest traumas in order to get massive results from it or to to feel something massively from it. Absolutely. It gets to be so simple sometimes. And it's just, I'm moving more breath into my body. And when I do that, I can open up to the world. And I feel like it's turning up the brightness on life after you come out of a session and just experience more ease and play and I'm way more creative after too. Mm. I have to do breath work. <laughs> I, I'm laughing Thais because like we've had so many opportunities for you to try breath work. <laughs> I know. You know, every time you always like talk about something and I'm like, I'm, how do I not know this? Like I know it's good. <laughs> <laughs> like we've taught breathwork in North Node. Late, I just in my own world, and I got to into it when I come to it. But breathwork sounds like, uh, like honestly, if I come out of breathing and I have more creativity, like why would I not do that? And also, something that sounds the appealing about breathwork is though it's hard, it sounds easy. It sounds. And it feels very, very personal. And like, I'm thinking about yoga or meditation or the things that, you know, we normally do. And those things require, I feel like sometimes external things or knowledge of how to do certain moves or how to still your mind. And I know that breathwork, it sounds like there's like stilling your mind as well. But just thinking about breathing, the thing that is always there and will never leave you your breath will never leave until you die and so it's just like you know do it until you die 100 <laughs> that's that's the tweet that's the tweet do it until you die breathing that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> trying to be funny whatever <laughs> 
George, when you're planning class, do you think about like the transformation you want to offer? Is there like a specific thing you're trying to get out of every class? Like I know when meditation teachers or yoga teachers or class planning, sometimes they'll have a theme or an intention. Is it the same for the breath and the way that you pick the music and the way that you like, I don't know, how you sort of channel what comes through? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. My rule with breathwork has been the only person I'm teaching or really healing is myself. And so all I can really do is do my own practice. And if Mm -hmm. it happens that I have insight about how that works and what it feels like and how to move through it, I share those. And I really am only holding space for other people to drop into their own experience. So I do plan class themes and I hold them very lightly because I'll tell folks, this may resonate, this may not. When you start doing breath work, you're going to drop into your body. Yours is completely different than mine. I'm holding a container and you're really guiding yourself. And so the themes are fun and helpful. And I think give folks an inroad. And usually the theme is so universal that most folks can relate to it. But it's really just something for the mind to lock into so that you can get into your own practice. And then once you're in there, my experience is whatever needs to come through will come through. And it's often may start at that theme and then take you on a whole different journey. What are some themes that is explored in record? Truly everything, unlocking creativity, building your discernment, connecting to your intuition. I'm doing a group starting on Monday for a group of gay men, and we're kind of exploring an emotion in each of the four sessions. So what's my relationship with anger, sadness, joy, and fear, and how do each of those show up in my body in different ways so that I can, I find during breath work, you feel the sensation of the emotion in a really distinct way. And then encourage folks to kind of build their body map of what each emotion feels like in their body. So that when we're not in a breath work session, I can more quickly identify day to day, when is joy here? When is emotion, what emotion is actually in my body? And how do I know by the sensation that's moving through? As a gay man, do you feel like there's a representation for you in the wellness space and in breath work? No. <laughs> yeah, there's one. I mean, I was in these healer trainings and there were queer folks in the room, but I think I was the only gay man in almost all the trainings I was a part of. And then luckily found one other gay man, Ryan Allen, who I adore, who kind of became a breathwork healer that I went to frequently to do my own work and have not experienced many others, but it's growing. I think in New York, it seems to be there's a few more. And the community is definitely growing in LA as well. But my experience was when I started doing this practice, the hit I got was go share this with other gay men. And I was like, no, 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 no. I don't want to do that. (laughs) Please, no. (laughs) That's the last thing I want to do. (laughs) I don't want to be this guy with a new practice coming in to teach people to breathe. It was terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Why don't you want to share it? Because it meant me confronting and my own shadow, which was facing myself and what I think is actually... a gift of mine and having to face that and stand in it and own it. And that level of being seen in my community was terrifying. 100. I get it. And then you said yes to it anyway. How great. I did. And then posted the group and it like, of course, filled up in like three days. And I was like, of course, gosh, why? It's so easy when we listen. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I have to keep doing this. Damn it. <laughs> But it's so scary to get to that point. I read this quote on the other side of fear is freedom. Absolutely. Every time when I'm afraid, it's like, okay, just know that you're getting closer to being free. And the thing that you are afraid of, there are other people who cross the threshold and they are also free and you'll find your people. So as doing breath work for gay men and you had that class in the field up in three days, what was something that surprised you? the most about that experience? I remember the circle at the end of the group, folks sharing, and one person was like, oh my gosh, we're like talking about our feelings and our emotions. This is like kind of fun. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) truly the first time this person had experienced that, I think, in a gay community. And it felt safe and it felt fun and it felt light, but it felt connective, which was the environment I wanted to create to show that this was possible. And when we do this, we actually enjoy our relationships with each other more. Because my experience in many gay spaces is it falls back on things that are not deep emotional connection. And that's what I seek and want. And so I was complaining about that for years and years and years. And then finally decided, Mm -hmm. okay, I can complain about this or I can go create the space I want to be in and actually set the container for other folks to experience that 
with the hope that when they do, they'll realize, oh, this leads to deeper, more meaningful relationships. And I actually feel more alive when I connect with folks in this way. So just seeing those connections is just so powerful and how little you really have to do. Just give folks the space and then folks are ready for it. I think our, all of us really want that. And so it's beautiful to hold a container for folks to drop into. Do you think that the sort of keeping feelings at an arm's length distance for the gay community or the gay men's community, do you think that that is informed by the AIDS crisis and the trauma of the AIDS crisis that wasn't, you know, it was 20, 25 years ago, but still persists today? Mm, that's so interesting. I have not connected the two, honestly, until you say that now, but it makes a lot of sense. And just the extreme loss and grieving that happened during that time too within the community. And I have a good amount of men who were very much involved during that time coming back to do groups with me now that are really saying I'm ready to finally face things I've been holding for 10, 20 years and start to do healing work around it. And to me, just thinking, ah, if this had only been available, I'm, it was, and I'm not sure how many breathwork circles were happening during that time, but it's such a beautiful tool just to be together, to grieve together, to move through it together, and to really get to hold each other through an individual and collective experience. Yeah, that made me, that almost made me cry when you started saying that. And I think about like that an entire generation of elders was lost Lost. and how that happens in marginalized in communities that experience marginalization. Mm -hmm. And then just taking that a step further, looking from on the outside, looking in, just seeing how people had to move on or because it was such taboo AIDS, all of that, how people weren't able to grieve because they couldn't even publicly talk about it or there was so much shame around that. Mm -hmm. And then I, I feel like, knowing like being around a lot of gay men in like my 20s in New York and just seeing the world which felt a lot like going to parties hooking up with other guys not to put like generalizations on it but this was my experience with it and what you're offering just sounds so refreshing because to me it feels like and you please talk like let me know but it feels like that is so much a part of gay culture is just like the fun and the parties and the boys and all of the things that this just feels like molasses almost. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm going for. Yeah. Yeah. That's been my experience. Gay men are good at delivering on fun. We've got that figured out. (laughs) (laughs) And I think there's so much more to be had on the other end of the spectrum and both of them together, I think is true magic. And so my intention is we got the fun. Let's figure out deep connection And then in the middle, we're going to really create magic together because doing healing work while having fun, I think is the ultimate combo. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, like we talk a lot about how healing doesn't have to be like such a slog, you know, it doesn't have to be painful. Like it can be painful. Sometimes it's painful and it's uncomfortable, but it doesn't have to be just like self-flagellation all the time. Like that sounds like such a boner killer, you know? Totally. Totally. Like sometimes healing is fun. Like I, I remembered when I was a kid and I would like ride my bike and get like scuffs on my um knees. And then I would see those scabs forming and then be like, I'm healing. And it was just cool because I was like, one day these, like I won't have this bruise and it won't hurt anymore. And so like looking at healing as you're like literally healing and just knowing that you're like getting better. Sometimes I think that can be fun too, even when it's like, oh, this sucks, but I know it's good. Totally. Totally. And you get to go ride a bigger bike after that. <laughs> and it's more fun. <laughs> you go flying down another hill because you're better at it, for sure. <laughs> George, this is your theme for visionary, your visionary in residence sort of like vision for 2021 is healing for gay men and bringing breathwork to gay men. I want to talk about VIR and and you. And I feel like it's obvious for anyone who's listening, like why you're part of VIR. For anyone who's listening, we can't bury the lead. Visionary in Residence is an incubator slash residency program that we do with seven practitioners in the wellness space over a year-long period of time where we give them resources and care and support and amplify their missions and their voices. Your name obviously got thrown into the ring and I had already had that amazing experience with you and it just felt so right. And I know as soon as as Thais met with you, she was like, George is so special. How I felt at first though, George, I was like... (laughs) 
truth comes out. Yeah, the truth let's comes hear out. it. <laughs> no, so the first time when we all had our meeting, I was like, oh, no, Michelle. And then when I met with you, yeah, it's because, you know what, truly, it's because I'm used to people being like, yeah, I'm so excited. And you were so not that. And I was like, does he want to do this? And so (laughs) on our meeting when it was just me and you, I think it goes back to the thing about molasses. Your energy feels kind of just like molasses. Like it's moving, it's slow, it's short, all of the things, and it doesn't have to be big. And that's when I was just like, oh, this is, this is cool. (laughs) So yeah, that's. I love knowing that that you were revealing <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah, my that's energy why we're is a good team. That is spot on. <laughs> and the truth is, the truth is, I got the email to be invited, and I was like, "Oh, this is a mistake." So I just ignored the email. I was like, "They wouldn't want me to do this. No way." No, you did not. Truly, truly, I was like, I think this is like a missend, or I'm like, you're like, is this a content. spam? Yeah. Is this are they spamming me right I thought now? It was like something like that, and then you followed up, and I was like, oh, really? And so that first call, I was just like, oh, wow, these people are goddesses. They have to rise, rise to the occasion. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's a mutual love fest over here. But we are so excited about what you're doing. And I know that it was Thais and you really worked to like work through some shadow work to get, come to this sort of vision for what you want to bring to the world. So how is it sort of like shaping up? I mean our job as your team is to help you sort of like craft this etheric thing into something a little bit more material or tangible or just ground it in a way. And the goal with VIR over the next year is not for you to produce a product or a thing. That's not the point, but really to deepen this exploration, just like an artist residency, the point isn't to make work, it's to create and and be in the experience. So I'm curious for you, like, how is that work coming along and and what are you doing and what's your vision right now for what you think you're working towards with keeping in mind that it is subject to change and probably will change as, as you learn more. I, right now I'm trying to reflect on what is my journey as a gay man who is constantly healing then and what are the practices that have really allowed me to show up and face what needs attention And then within that, what are the stories that allow folks to understand what doing healing work meant? I, before this, worked in education, was a middle school teacher and was not at all in the wellness world. And so sometimes for me, the lingo or the practice can push folks away. And so I wanted to do this in a way that allows gay men who I make up based on my experience inviting them to breathwork groups so far, are a little resistant to the practice already, feel really accessible and showing for folks too, like, why are we doing all this healing work for what? (laughs) So that we can be more in our aliveness, so that we can experience more joy, so that we can have deep, connective, fun relationships. So showing the arc of why healing matters, both for individuals and for our community as a whole through storytelling. And so the vision right now is to do a little mini short film that documents stories of gay men that are moving through healing by using breathwork as a tool and seeing what their individual story looks like, what it looks like when we come together in group. And then includes too, what are some really simple concrete practices I can do on my own if I'm ready to dive into this work. It's going to be so good. Whatever, whatever ends up happening is going to be so amazing. But I just, I can't wait to watch that. You know, like I can't wait to experience that, that healing experience. Like through your eyes and through the eyes of the people who are having it feels like so it feels like a precious precious gem that I like don't get access to that I want to see and like I want to see it shine and I want to see it from all the angles like Mm. I want to hold it up to the sun and like see all the facets of it I just can't wait I can't wait to see what happens Mm. but I imagine that teaching middle school very much prepared you for (laughs) skepticism and difficulty and resistance of people (laughs) who are like I don't want to be here right now (laughs) 100% where did I teach? In Richmond, California. Where's Richmond? In the Bay Area, just north of Berkeley. Oh, cool. Did you teach it like a a hippie school? Well, in some ways, it was through Teach for America. And it was a school in Richmond that was trying to do a personalized learning model. And it was this really high-tech school that was trying to focus on individual needs and build out individualized learning plans for each student. Really fascinating. 
And wow. you're right. I got taught resistance on day one. I walked into my classroom and, and we were getting paired with like our mentees that we'd then be with for the following years that they're at school. And I got paired with a student and she looked me dead in the eyes and she was like, I do not want you to be my mentor. <laughs> oh. And walked away. And I was like, okay, my first day of teaching going really well. <laughs> they love me already. <laughs> so like the pushback I got in those years of my life I mean, yeah. Now I'm just like, cool. You don't want to do breath work? We're good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Kids. She now emails me like weekly on is now in college and is thriving. And we had a really fascinating relationship. I mean, she I was struggling. Teaching is truly the hardest job I'll ever have. And one day she came in after class. It was like, Mr. Ramsey you're a hot ass mess. You need my help. And I was like, okay. She's like, I'm appointing myself as your class manager. I'm going to come in tomorrow with roles for everyone and new systems for the class. And I was like, great, you can you do it. And so she became like a true buddy and champion of my class over the year. But I'd hear almost every day for that first year. The only thing I want is to get switched out of this class. It's the one, one thing I need. Every, every assignment she'd do, she'd write that at the end. If I could have my yeah. one wish, I could switch out this class. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. What was I teaching? Yeah. Math and science. Oh, dang. That's so yeah. different from graduate. So different. And I wasn't there. That's where, I mean, my, my journey to this was such a ping pong experience of doing what I thought other people thought I should do. And then finally coming into, oh. This is my gift. This is where it meets what the world needs for me right now. But it was the connection with students. It was building community. It was understanding emotional intelligence and all the beautiful emotions that run through a seventh grader um, and such valuable, incredible lessons. And now realize I was really just holding space for 30 children to move through what it's like to be a, in middle school for a day. And the math and the science were secondary to that. I was just talking to my partner last night we were talking about middle school. I was like, you could not pay me to do that again. And it's so, it's so traumatic. And like, what are we going to do when our kids are in middle school? Like, how can I protect them? It was so hard. He got bullied in middle school. Like, I was just, I don't want, I don't want that. I don't, I don't know. But I guess as a parent, you just kind of have to throw your hands up and be like, this is the world. And I hope that I can like give you enough love that to I don't know, combat all the shittiness that happens or have amazing teachers that can guide you through it. Well, hopefully we have parents who are doing breath work with their children so that mm. they can navigate middle school. There you go. That's what's up. 100%. That's what's up. in classrooms. Yes. Breathwork in class. Oh my gosh. I'm not going to put that on you, George, but I feel like you already got the expertise. <laughs> I know. It's it's, hap it's happening in some realm. Yeah. I've started working with teachers again to be like, you have the hardest job in the world and set an intention this year of wanting to work with more educators. And so now I'm working with a nonprofit to do monthly groups for school leaders and teachers. Because you just you talk about picking up energy. You pick up so much being in a classroom all day. And then my experience was I took it home, wasn't conscious yeah. of it, numbed out every day and then did it again. And so it's, yeah. I'm really excited to see what can this practice be for folks that are in classrooms. Yeah. And even thinking about like a middle schooler who might be closeted, being able to do breath work to move that energy and mm. you know, maybe they can't connect to it in that way. But one day when they're grown up and similarly to how you're swimming and moving that energy, they can have like a recall where it's just like breath work is the thing that brought me through my emotions. 100%. And that's great. I love that. It's such a personal practice too. They can do on their own. Yeah, that would be so fun. I always thought it would be cool to, I for a while was really into getting wellness into schools. I'm still into it, but my focus has just shifted. <laughs> like you can only do one thing at a time. And I always thought it would be so interesting to have some sort of app because so many teachers have you know, tech in, in their classrooms now, which is great. But to have like a 10 minute, like right before class started or at the beginning of the day where students are like in their own bubble where they get to have their like wellness moment and they could pick mm. from sort of like a bunch of different things, whether it's a meditation or like even like, you know, drawing or movement or breath work to like just settle themselves in that moment and to check in with their mood because, I have a friend who was teaching here in, in LA at a charter school and 
she had a lot of kids who, you know, where English was their second language and their parents were immigrants and there's a lot of trauma. And she was saying how so many of them just like, they carried so much with them to school and it wasn't, she didn't have enough hours in the day to like be with them processing it. And it was necessary, just like you said, George, like, yeah, she was teaching English, but like really she was like holding space for these people to be human. The English was secondary. And she was like, I just didn't have what I needed. I couldn't be with every single one of them. And she was so worried for ev- for all of them. They were high school kids about what was going to happen to them and like, were they okay? And how, I, I don't know, I'm getting in, in the weeds about it, but like, I wish there was something where we could sort of like gauge kids' moods and emotions and sort of like ask them to self-reflect and also just to make sure that like they are okay because I don't know, there's so much happening in the world. There's so much trauma that our kids are going through, even at schools, like the fear of violence at schools that's going to come back as soon as kids are back in schools. I just can't imagine what it's like to be a kid growing through the world at this moment in time. Oh, yeah. And they're just the most resilient, amazing people and hold it with such grace and poise in ways that I, as an adult, cannot imagine moving through what I watched my students move through in the few years I was with them, too. Yeah. Teachers and parents, like people who are caregivers, are 100% the most underrated, (laughs) do not get paid enough in this society. I think that all everyone who has a child at home should be paid to at least have the option to stay home and take care of them if they want to. Yeah, because that's like, labor. It's 100% labor, and it's the, like the most important thing that we can do, <laughs> I think. I mean, I don't know. 100%. Maybe brain surgery, but like raising children is, is really up there. Yeah. Yeah, talk about having an impact on our world and society. Yeah. Focus on our kids. Totally. This has been so wonderful, and I want to make sure that we cover absolutely everything that you wanted to talk about, George, and everything that you're excited about. So is there anything that we should have on our radar as the holisticism community of of what you're up to and that we should be tracking? Yeah. If you want to come try some breath work, great way to do it is on open. They have 20, 30 minute classes and just a nice way to drop in and experience a shorter breath work session. And then I also offer one-on-one sessions for folks that are willing to really dive in and commit to the practice. And those are all virtual and available on my website too. What's your website? George-Ramsey.com. And Ramsey is R-A-M-S-A-Y. Beautiful. Yeah. Open is amazing. Open's like the Peloton of meditation and breath work. And George is one of their inaugural teachers, which is kind of a big deal. <laughs> it is. Also a group that reached out and I was like, what? Me? Really? <laughs> <laughs> What do you think this means that you are like, that you're like, what me really? But that people are noticing you and seeing you. I think it means I'm like finally for the first time in my life, slowly starting to get out of my own way (laughs) and doing my own work and breaking down like my beliefs about what's possible in my life. And it's ironic that the tool I use to do that is the tool people are inviting me to share with other people. It's pretty meta. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm thinking about hearing, listening to you talk about how things come to you so easily. And then also when you got out of your own way, how it was so easy and you've seen the impact that it has had on people who really need it. It's just like, yeah, the universe is conspiring. Your ancestors are all working because what you have is what the world needs. And so it will be easy. I mean, it's not going to be like seamless, but the journey there, the assistance to get there, it's going to be easy because you deserve a life of ease to heal the rest of the world, you know? Absolutely. And I want to be clear at the beginning, this was the thing I, my mind wanted me to do the least. I would like look at people in these roles and be really critical and judgmental. And it was of course me like resisting what I think I was actually meant to open up to. And now that I've worked through all those layers of judgment, I'm like, oh yeah, it gets to be really easy on the other side of that. If we're willing to release all these perceived expectations about what we're meant to do in the world. Mm. But it took me really surrendering into, I'm a breathwork facilitator and that's enough. Is it because we mm. had resistance to the wellness world? It is. And I had so many stories about like what I should be doing. I'd gotten into business school before this and it was a complete move of, if George does this, he'll make his parents proud and it'll look really good. And 
how to become an entrepreneur and like follow this little ladder of success that I was watching people around me do. Ugh. And I was like, <laughs> no, that's not authentic to me. And yes, those things could happen, but I was fully doing them at that point from a place of extrinsic motivation and it did not come, come with it. And I had very little energy around it because of that, but it took breath work helping me realize, okay, you can let those things fall away and not have to know what's next and then really open up to it as those things start coming in. I'm just curious to see where your path continues to take you because you have so much in you. Like you contain multitudes. I know that that's cheesy, but I see so much for you. And where you are right now is also perfect and completely enough. But I feel like you, I mean, this is one of the, this is the reason you're one of our visionaries in resonance. Like I do think that you're a visionary. So I'm excited mm. to see the world that you envision and how the world can be coming to life because I think it will be beautiful. Mm, thank you. That means a lot. Thank you. Thank you. I see the both in the same of you too. Thanks. We try. <laughs> you do a great job. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, Thais, is there anything else that we're missing? No, but I'm really excited to have you in the wellness world because I understand like the whole preconceived notions and just being like, yeah, I'm good on that. And then being in the wellness world and being like, yeah, I'm still good on that. But then when you have people that are like what we're doing at Holisticism or you, George, I'm like, oh, there's, it's so cool because it's like different people and it's like more representative of the world. And so I get you on the whole, like not wanting to be in wellness, but now that you're in wellness, it's just like you're in wellness, but there's so much that goes into this other than like food, no offense to food, but like, you know. totally that's why i'm so excited to find you all i've been a holisticism stand for a while and was like oh yeah they get it in the same way when i enter this i want to i want to be being in that way so thank you for paving a path where that can look like yes michelle out here paving paths truly thanks i deeply understand and resonate with I fucking hate, well, you didn't say this, George, but this is my experience. I hate it here. I do not like the wellness space, but I also can't deny spirituality change, literally saved my life. You know, I saw a healer who after one session with them, I never had another seizure again. And it was like, I can't ignore this. It's so annoying. It's so annoying. I want to ignore this so badly and pretend like this is stupid, but it's not. And, and what does that mean about me? Mm-hmm. Like, and everything that I've, I mean, for me, it was like everything I've ever thought was stupid. Maybe I'm wrong about like, maybe mm-hmm. I shouldn't have written it off or like, yeah, why, why is that so important to me to like, I don't know, sort of differentiate myself from this world or aspects of this world. And I think that's what we explore a lot here at Holisticism is like, how can we be in this world, but not of it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you embody that so fully, Michelle, beautifully. I said to Michelle last week, she's like a mystical typewriter because her writing around this work <laughs> demonstrates those ideas so beautifully for people in a way that it allows you to think, oh yeah, that's how you can think through this and make sense of it all in such beautiful, compelling ways. So thank you. Yeah. On that note, I recall you wrote like a, a poem, actually. I feel like it was a poem. It was a free write poem, Michelle. And you were just like, free writing, like wellness, it's all crystals and like all of these like like incense and da 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 and I remembered reading this is like a year and a half or two years ago and I read that in your newsletter and I was just like oh snap that's what I'll be thinking too and that's when I like looked I was like who is this lady that like is saying these things (laughs) and that's all that's how I got into it but yeah George if it helps you Thais was also skeptical of me when she first met me and (laughs) was not sure if she liked me or not (laughs) she's like <laughs> she was very skeptical. You know, I won her over. It's a, it's still a daily practice of being like <laughs> trying to win over things. Well, we have my moments, but it's great. <laughs> We're in this for life. <laughs> I like that. I like I like people who who really challenge. You know, who make you work for it. Mm-hmm. I like that. <laughs> Please, do you know your Enneagram number? I don't know what that is. Okay. I'm going to send you a quiz. Oh my gosh. Yes. George is the Enneagram expert. 
Learning, learning. I'm starting to do trainings. It's it's similar to Myers Briggs. It's like a personality test that kind of maps out your type, which is one of nine numbers, and it's based on the ideas. We have a core fear as a child, and that core fear can kind of create a personality, and then you get a number, and there's a whole system around it. Yeah. Well, I definitely think I'm a disruptor. Yeah, I think you might be an eight. Mm. An eight. The challenger. Oh yeah. Yeah. But she also could be a four. Because uh, she's very, like, the four is creative and feeling, and the fear is not being special. Mm. I'm a four. So, not to drag you, I'm also a four. Yeah, no, you just read me, and that's true. I, I do want to be special. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be we all do. Yeah. We all do. <laughs> George, which one are you again? You're the same as my, as my partner. I'm a nine. Yeah. The peacemaker, the peacemaker, peacemaker mediator. Oh, that would make sense for why you are like molasses. That's why I'm like boring molasses. Yeah, just smooth, <laughs> calm yeah. energy. Yeah, I like that. Did you say boring molasses? Molasses is not boring. I did. I did. No, molasses no. is so like strong. I feel like because it just becoming in real slow. Like you can't help but pay attention to molasses because it's like, dang, you just taking your time. So I, I don't know. I would just be like, you have a lot of audacity to move, just be moving. You just <laughs> like, Yo. like I don't think that's boring. I'm like that's really bold in a world that's so fast for you to move slow. It's true. Like yeah. you must clearly know that you got it. So that's true. I took like two weeks to call my cousin back last week, and the first thing he says is like, "Wow, I would love to be on your timeline for returning calls." <laughs> Oh, shady. I was like, thank you. I love my timeline. It's really spacious over here. There is a, when you said molasses at first, days, there's this weird historical event that was the molasses flood that happened in Boston. Do you guys know about this? No. I think it was, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Boston. I don't remember the year. I think it's the 1800s, but this molasses sort of like, I don't know, container holder, gigantic. It had like, tons and tons and tons and tons of molasses exploded and it caused a flood in and it actually like this is scary but it killed people because molasses is so thick and so heavy and it picks up speed as it I don't know as the mat like because it's a heavy mass and so it was can you imagine just this like wave of like fast moving really powerful molasses like taking down I think it took down like houses like it it's it was like a tsunami of molasses going through Boston. Wow. That's terrifying. I didn't know that molasses actually moved faster at any point, but that makes a lot of sense if we're comparing George to molasses. Because to me, it's like, the more you do this and the more you go and you grow and you build and you pick up speed, like there is so, and become a tsunami. That's really what it is. You become a tsunami, like a tsunami in the universe. Your commitment to this metaphor is amazing. It truly is. You're blowing my mind. I'm eventually going to pick up speed, it sounds like. But no, I think that you're right. It's like, this is like, it's exponential. You know, your power is exponential. And it's like every micro increments that you move. And then eventually it's like a force that, that can't be reckoned with. Like, it just is, it's so powerful. And it doesn't happen in one fell swoop. It happens like drop by drop. Anyways, I really want to make molasses cookies now. So Um, maybe I'll do that. (laughs) Send them your way, George. (laughs) Next time we can eat molasses cookies together. (laughs) Yes, I can't wait till we all get to meet in person once we are fully vaccinated and it's safe to do so. Yeah, and I can't wait for the world to see your project on screen. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's... so healing. And one of the things I think you're also going to do with this is get to root causes or explore roots within like the gay male community. So why is it that we do this and what are the like things that happen as a result? So I think exposing roots is so imperative towards like growth. And I'm excited for us to see what that looks like on screen with your work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, breathwork is, is good at getting into the roots. <laughs> It'll, it'll get there quickly. And I'm excited to expose to what those are for other folks and my own. Mm, well, George, this was so lovely. You're such a 
Jam, we're so lucky to have you and to know you and to be able to just amplify your work. And we already did the we 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 tried to do an outro, but then we kept talking. <laughs> so we already know we already know all the website stuff. We'll put it in our show notes. But we adore you. We just think you're the best, and we're so happy that the community gets to know you too. And everyone who's listening, go follow George and see what he's up to, and and support his work. It's. It's really important and, and beautiful. So thank you. Thank you all. Such amazing support. And I love being with you all and spending some time together. All right. That is our episode. I hope that you enjoyed learning more about George Ramsey and his process and his experience as a breathwork teacher and someone who's in their healing process. I just love him so much. And I think he's such an amazing teacher and I just love him. I hope you can come to our, his class, Build Your Body Map, How to Use Breathwork to Move Emotion next week and make sure that you sign up in, I'll put the link below so you can grab your ticket. And I think that's it. Oh yeah, we're doing a giveaway this month. So if you rate, review, subscribe to the podcast and then you send us a screenshot of your review, we will enter you to win our raffle. And our raffle giveaway this month is holisticism swag. So you'll get stickers and a keychain and some other cute goodies from holisticism. We can't wait to deliver them to you. All right, that's all I have. I cannot wait to hear what you think about this episode. I can't wait to see you in our summer solstice fest tomorrow. And for those of you who join the North Node between now and next Tuesday, I can't wait to meet you. All right. Have a great rest of your week and we'll talk soon. Bye.